for our listeners out there, just a quick warning that there is math in this episode. Welcome to episode three of Listen to the Words. I'm Evelyn Price, and this is... Mr. Steve, hello. Hello. We have our first guest tonight, and we are very honored and very glad that our super producer, Will, has decided to join us this evening. So, uh, hi, Will. How's hey, it going? Will. Hey, guys. What's up? Nothing I'm, much. I'm on your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> so you've listened to us rant for two episodes now. And mm-hmm. made every single one of the beautiful graphics on all of our pages. They're amazing. I love them so much. Um, the newest one is on the Patreon page, and it is a little tiny 45, and I love it so much. I looked at that immediately, Will, and saw pins. Oh, that's such a good idea. <laughs> it's the perfect shape. Oh, I want man, little I... enamel pins. So anyway, let's like we actually have business and not just chatting and having ideas. I'll tell everyone the songs that we were doing at the beginning right now, and then we'll go through them. Will's are Life is Grand by Super Commuter, Dixon's Girl by Dessa, and Steve is going to take us through Pet Cemetery by The Ramones. So what do you have first, Will? Okay, well, I thought we would start things off with a little super commuter. Um, Now, this song is bonkers. It's a rap song, and um, I guess I should start by talking a little bit about the band. Yeah, you're going to have to tell us about both of these bands, because when you told me what you were doing and I didn't know either of them, I felt deep shame. (laughs) And when I heard the super commuter, I was like, wait a minute, for a split second, I thought it was one of the soundtrack songs from the Amazing Spider-Man 2 soundtrack, one of the Hans Zimmer, Pharrell, What Williams, Johnny Marr numbers. You're like, what is Will thinking? <laughs> no, I would, I'm, I'm actually a, a big fan of that score. So mm-hmm. I thought it yeah, sounded rad. This is a podcast about lyrics. It is. It is. Right. And there are a lot of them. There are a lot. It is a, it's a colloquially, colloquially, you is that it. right? Colloquially? You yeah. Got it referred to as chip hop so it's uh it's hip-hop music and it's it's just three guys um stenobot who does all the beats um composes them mostly on a game boy honestly um tron one who is their kind of producer mixer guy and uh wheelie cyberman (laughs) who uh (laughs) he uh he is the uh the vocals the lyrics and all that so to to know who super commuter is It helps if you know who Optimus Rhyme is. Optimus Rhyme. Okay. Optimus Rhyme was a uh, a kind of a nerdcore hip-hop funk rock band uh, in Seattle, Washington. Uh, And they were, you know, around from like 2000 to 2008. I got into them in college because I would just search for very random things on LimeWire, I think was it (laughs) at the time. That's when I was getting into um, like MC Front a lot. MC Front a lot. These guys also guested on an MC Frontalot song. But it was a bit more, all their stuff was a bit more on the nose at the time. Uh, They were, as you can guess, Transformers, and all of their songs were about being Transformers and doing Transformer things. Of course. 
Did they ever they were, rhyme the word Energon? Oh, I, I, they had to. Have. <laughs> they had to have. Um, but they were, they were more of a live band. So they actually had a drummer. Their members were Wheelie Cyberman, Power Thighs, Stumblebee, and Grimrock. Power Thighs. Grimrock. That's amazing. That, that's my favorite uh, Transformer name. It has to be. <laughs> my favorite Transformer is Orson Welles' as Pro- Optimus Prime. Every July, peas grow there. Do you really mean that? Orson Welles is, uh, he's the, he's Unicron. Unicron. Yeah, he's the, he's the planet that. He's the tra- like robot planet that eats other planets. Yeah. Anyway. Either way, everyone should go and watch that movie. It was amazing. So yeah, they were a live band. They actually had you know instruments and a drummer and stuff like that. Uh, they dissolved. I don't know why. Um, none of my uh, research bore fruit in that vein. Huh. But um, we can make uh, up Wheelie some conspiracy Cy- theories about it. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So send us your conspiracy see. theories about what happened. Yeah. What happened in like 2007, 2008? To make them split. Uh, the financial I'm, crisis. Yeah, yeah, probably that. Financial mm-hmm. crisis. Oh, that's depressing. Subprime mortgages is what. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's my. That's my hypothesis. I'm just going to assume that it was uh, the Michael Bay Transformer movies as well. That made like everyone want to quit. Yeah, we can't keep doing this. <laughs> um, so, uh, but their loss is our gain because Wheelie Cyberman went on to form Supercommuter. They have to date released three full albums to like kind of offshoots. One was self-titled called Supercommuter. Then there was Products of Science. And the most recent one is called Trash World, which is excellent. It's such a but great name. It's, uh, so it's true. a delight. But the song we are going to be talking about this week is called Life is Grand. And uh, it is off their first album, their self-titled album. Now, one little bit of backstory with this, uh, one more, one more piece of backstory uh, before we get into it. And that is, um, this song takes its, a lot of its inspiration from one of my favorite video games called Katamari Damacy. Aha. No, I'm, I'm familiar with the PlayStation 2 version. There was, there's, there's been a few along the way. And the basic premise is that you're a little guy and you have a ball and you roll it around the world and you pick up things. You pick up items and with every item you pick up, you get larger and larger and larger. And you start by rolling up like little thumbtacks and you end up rolling up the sun. Like and little rabbits and animals. I think I've seen yeah. people play yeah. it before. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's weird and fantastic. And I... You'll see once we get into the lyrics here, and like you said, there are a lot of them. So let's dive right in. Let's do it. Check it, check it out. Upgrades look great. 25% on un- unused. Now, it's also worth saying that, so before with uh, Optimus Rhyme, they were doing a lot of like Transformer stuff. With Supercommuter, they have gone full-blown sci-fi. It is a beard, Jordy. A fine, full, dignified beard. Weird shit. I was just going like, to ask if the, this is a, per, a computer or a person. Oh, so it's no, a it's computer a person. <laughs> I'm an android. It's, it's It still is all sung from the perspective of robots. <laughs> okay. They have a song that was on products of science, and the narrative of the song is that this guy and his wife decided to just run away, take a vacation or something like that. And they had to go into a deep sleep kind of cryo chamber deal on the (laughs) ship. And as he's waking up, 
he realizes, oh no, her pod malfunctioned. <laughs> she's been dead for a long time. It's messed up. This is all it's... really, really way more intense than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, same. <laughs> well, that is, but this, I mean, this song is, is relatively, well, maybe we'll see there. Okay. Sorry. Moving along. <laughs> uh, progress improved from a crawl. Voco patch now fully installed. Complicated system with a calibrated, oh boy. Calibrated? Calibrated fuse box. Who's got animated yes, yes, y'alls? <laughs> bots, <laughs> bots see me stomping down the street. Stop dead cold. Cop the hot physique. See every step is a gift to me. Radiate magnetic electricity. And this is one of my favorite uh, favorite set of lines. Left foot goes down. Left foot comes up waking just a little bit heavier. Right foot goes down. Right foot comes up moving just a little bit steadier. Everything as he moves is kind of attaching to him, as we'll see. Uh, I see where we're going with this. Right. Uh, everywhere I go, I take a piece. Molecules move. See the mass increase. I get big and I take bigger pieces. It's slow, but it's steady and it keeps its shape. When it flies through the sky to me, now fully integrated into chemistry. Now let's see. First, with the quartz. get much smaller than nothing really works. Even down there, it's exponential. One, two, four, sixteen, two hundred fifty-six, sixty-five thousand five hundred thirty-six. Follow formula, see the math potential. Now, I I'm am asleep. I... <laughs> no, I, I'm no, joking. I of course, I but... should have warned you guys. There was a math portion. <laughs> you should warn. You should, that is something that you need to trigger warn about. You're right. It's I'll just add, long add, strings uh, of numbers. <laughs> I'll add a statement to the beginning of the show. <laughs> For our listeners out there, just a quick warning that there is math <laughs> in this episode. We're maths. <laughs> maths, yes. All right. Uh, indicators say that the, waiter is, that the weight is well within planned parameters. I guess it's safe, so I'll keep taking. Pushing with perpetual stamina. I'm carrying weight, I'm burying slate, pedometer tick, tick, tick Every move I make, feel it tremble and shake, and the stuff is stick, stick, stick And you can see that it's bigger now. Everywhere I go, dust swirling round. Trust me, it must be heavy, because when I look back, I see cracks in the ground. Completely visible, people believe what they see, get a little bit critical. They can make their speeches, give me a week, and their reach is impotent and pitiful. Wow. Wow, um, that took a sharp turn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Uh, oh, yeah, we, we go from stomping robot kaiju, <laughs> like, I, you know, make you walk like the, the robot equivalent of John Travolta down mm -hmm. the street yeah, as, yeah, you, yeah. as you are locked into something right, on like some mission, cool, some man. goal. You're cool. You're, everything's sticking to you. You got momentum. Right. And then all of a sudden, I'm going to take you on an existential minecart <laughs> straight down. I mean, I was suddenly like, wait a minute. So we're talking, like, if you collect everything and eventually get to the sun, you're like collecting people's babies and stuff, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. If I understand the narrative correctly, though, it's all robots. Like, the whole planet is robots. So there aren't puppies or cats in this world? No, but there are robots with existential dread issues. Oh. That's true, yeah. This, does this have a happy ending? In a way. Okay, go on. <laughs> it depends on how attached you are to the narrator. Oh. oh. Um, soon move to paper scraps, screws and nuts, and protein wraps. And if you want to keep it, you can take a grip and run quick, but it won't last. 
I'm a slave to the law of attraction, indisputable in every interaction, irrefutable forces making a course that's directed to getting matter packed in. Consider that I got no upper limit. Think about the rubble getting bigger every minute. Try to get near me to formulate a theory. Don't forget the fact that this is only the beginning. So this now is so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you guys did bat out of hell <laughs> an episode ago. <laughs> and that starts with a young man being stabbed to death. <laughs> I'm, s- I'm sorry, but it ends with a narrator bursting out of his body and flying away. You're right. You're right. Nope. That's that's an excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> it's where we um, end up that matters. <laughs> so uh, I, I do like this next part because um, in Katamari, as you pick things up, you can always pause and go to the menu. You can see a list of every single item you've picked up. Like babies. Babies, yes. Um, now I'm wondering if he's using the law of attraction strictly in a in a scientific manner or if he's referring to the the pop psychology law of attraction secret no i think he's just the you mean you think is there a double meaning to the song oh no um not even if i mean there could be a double meaning but i was just trying to think of what his preferred meaning that does that that whole that whole series of sentences sounds pretty esoteric to me yeah I think I think you can read it both ways. Honestly, I think you could read it on the face of it as, yes, I'm a giant magnetic robot that is picking up everything in the world. But on the flip side, I am also humanity absorbing and using every single thing in the world until there's nothing left. Is so depressing. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So uh, tell us what's going to happen. Okay. So uh, they they go on to list a few uh, a few items: digital flyers, hover pads, human children. So I was wrong. <gasps> humans, baggy sweaters, landscaping, cumulus clouds, discarded couch, robots, people, turbine doors. I swear yeah. I didn't know about the babies, but I was right. You were right. You called it. Yeah. Oh, and you, there, he also mentions Irish setters. <laughs> Specifically, Irish setters. Um, wow. I don't know why. I don't know why he's got beef, but. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. Next up. So uh, where the ne- red fern grows. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I do love a where the red fern grows reference. I'm a sucker for that. Um, okay. Size of the city. Look, I'm Im- improving. See skyscrapers flying to me. Then you, and then you'll get the type of bot that I'm trying to be. It's easy now. I'm blowing out of shape. Taking whole blocks and trees and lakes and infrastructure. You can see the sparks break loose, uproot even national parks. Uh, they didn't know that I'd grow and attract. Showed these signs, but they couldn't turn back. People got evacuated, but the fact they waited made them late and slow to react. Now I'm bigger than a continent. Slurp. Ocean, no stopping it. One path, one law, one bot that began it. One conclusion fused to the planet. So that is that song. Wow. And he becomes <laughs> Unicron. It all it all become Unicron. It all comes back to Orson Welles. Well, of course, uh, you might be right. I see. There are two um, kind of like piano breakdowns in the song that I absolutely love, like legit 
piano breakdowns, and it ends with one of them that um, the tempo slows and slows. Um, and it's, you know, it's a crazy song, but it's also uh, very beautiful, I think. That's amazing, and yes, depressing. And <laughs> I need my blankie. <laughs> uh, one of uh, one of the other songs that I thought about picking, also from Supercommuter, was um, "We Are Watching You," and the premise of that song is, uh, "What if God showed up and took a more active role in our lives, and why it would uh, basically destroy humanity?" <laughs> huh? They're so cheerful. They are very cheerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think. This might be the peppiest song that they have, in retrospect. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure musically it has that whole, like, Kavinsky electro kind of vibe, but, like, lyrically it's dense. Yeah, so it doesn't it sound is. like what it is <laughs> at all, really. But right, that, but, yeah. But from a certain point of view, to use the, the, the old <laughs> phrase... It is exactly about what it sounds like. Like it is about robots and taking over. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Music made from Game Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it it I, I believe this is a, a term that the kids are using these days. It slaps. What? Uh, it slaps. It's, oh, it slaps. it slaps. It does slap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is like this song never fails to get me uh get me energized. Keep the energy loaded. But um See, this yeah, is why we need a youth correspondent. That's true. Yeah. And I do not make that cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll find one. So, yeah, check it out. Sweet. So, is this next one, which is Dixon's Girl by Dessa, any less depressing? Not that that's a prerequisite, obviously. <laughs> like, yeah, like. Life is sometimes depressing, and there are songs about well, it. Well, it's, I don't, I'm just worried about Will. Okay, well, the next song is about, um, it's, it's, uh, it's about a woman in the music industry, so it might, oh. I mean, uh, look, I, I can pick something. That woman wouldn't happen oh. to be named Josie McCoy, would it? We can't get lucky here. It's it's it, it's not going to be wacky hijinks. Possibly like a low level mystery to solve. What I, is Dessa? Who is Dessa? Dessa is now. Dessa is. <laughs> Dessa is the artist in question. Um, she is a rapper and uh, singer writer. She's worked in the record industry before. Uh, she's a member of Doomtree, which is this uh, long-running indie hip-hop collective. Um, she just recently put out a book called My Own Devices, which is fantastic. It kind of you know traces her her long career. She's been active since uh, 2005, and um, she's uh, she's done a lot. She actually. Uh, gained a lot of notoriety recently by uh, when Lin-Manuel Miranda started putting out the Hamilton mixtape. He chose her to sing um, Congratulations. Congratulations. It was Angelica's response. Angelica! Right before Burn. Oh. And it was it was cut from the show for time. Between the Reynolds pamphlet and Burn, there was Congratulations. 
Okay. So it was probably like a letter to Alex or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was basically something along the lines of congratulations, you couldn't have fucked this up worse. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's very good. I I will have to seek that out because I definitely want to hear that. It's very good. This is from an album called Caster the Twin, which uh, came out in 2011. And it's actually not necessarily remixes, but different versions of songs that she had recorded previously. So if you go looking for the music video for this, it's going to sound very different. Um. Oh, yeah. We're getting into alternate versions now, which is yeah. exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other can of worms. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> so, Dixon's Girl by Dessa. Um, she, as I learned in her book, she has always prided herself on being a working road musician. Um, you know, whether it's touring with Doomtree or touring with, by herself, she, she kind of lives that life. And I feel like this song is about that. In a, in a big way. So, lyrics are as such. Oh, someone taught your walls to talk, but if they ask me, I ain't heard a thing. Back to the wall, bat to the ball, back to the drawing board, which she repeats three times. I'm not going to do that. Again, there was a snowstorm in Jackson when you and I met at a club called St. Sebastian's, but the sign said something different. I remember thinking that I didn't have a shot at Mississippi Television told us which roads they were closing. There goes a rap show. Everybody knew you as the wife of a famous man. Everybody who knew said, and There goes Dixon's girl again. Even the walls all lean closer. When she plays the piano real slow. Uh, is Dixon a real person? I think... I think because the, the a lot of the narrative, um, like the the concept of Dixon comes out later, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it will illuminate <laughs> itself. I, it will. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. If Dixon is a real person, I don't know who it is, but conceivably, yes. Uh, haven't met too many women in this business that I really like. But you could hold a little liquor. You could hold a conversation. You can you can hold your old own mic, Jesus. Even that night, I learned the truth about your man. You gotta be big to treat pretty girls bad, and it's not much, but my money's on you. It's not much, but my money's on you, which is repeated over and over. Um. So yeah, I think the the what I get from this song is that. She is on the road. She's performing in all these different places, and she meets someone that she might see as kind of a kindred spirit or something like that. Yeah. and Another um, woman, right? Because we're talking yes. about Dixon's girl. Yes, yeah. Um, and, yeah, they kind of they bond and learn about each other, and she wrote the song about her. Maybe. I don't actually know. That's all hearsay. <laughs> <laughs> I, try, I tried to research. I tried to find out like more about the song, but really all I could find was um, speculation. Well, that's cool in its own way, because then you kind of just get to keep whatever you think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I heard from the rest of the world you're in trouble. Bad news moves like fire that you fight on the phone. And I'm too far away. My well-wishing can't touch you. But I think of you still more than you might suppose. 
Everybody want to see you with your hair down, want to hear you hit the high notes, want to know if they can get you for a little less, girl. I don't. I know how the stones can fly. Had some hard goodbyes. Call me up, day or night. Free drinks and bad advice. It's not much, but my money's on you. And that uh, repeats, and uh, that is that song. So... That's awesome. That's like a quiet female solidarity in a space where it's mostly guys all the time. Mm. It's in the song itself is, it's very chill. Um, especially the, the version from Castor the twin. I think they, they fleshed out the instrumental, uh, the instrumentation a bit more, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic song. Now, both songs that I picked are, um, from rap slash hip hop artists and songwriters. And I, that's nothing, nothing attracts me to a song more than a clever turn of phrase or just knowing song, knowing words that sound good. Yes. I rapid success. very much agree. Yeah. Like so, yeah, I find awesome. the songs that I like most tend to be very, very word heavy, which is why I like a lot of hip hop. Hip hop's mm-hmm. the new rock, anyway. I completely agree. <laughs> uh, speaking of rock, though, <laughs> we we <laughs> we're we're gonna inject some rock into the uh, hip hop cool vibe that we've set up now, and go take a turn to the Ramones with Pet Cemetery. Hell yeah! Well, the the Ramones uh, for for those who who may not know. Um, one of the, if not the, seminal American punk band. I mean, outside of the Ramones, you basically have the Stooges. So messed up, I want you here. Then the MC5. Get out the jams, motherfucker! As responsible for what american punk is like the ramones again uh, just just uh, to give you an overview of how influential they were like a lot of early punk bands in in britain uh would recall the ramones teaching them how to hold their instruments <laughs> like these guys were very hands-on in in sewing punk wherever they went mm. and, you know um so the ramones come out of the uh, new york late mid 70s late 70s punk scene out of cbgb's along with blondie talking heads cramps patty smith and various others that i i you know that you can look up an article but like television You know, Richard Hell. I can take it or leave it each time where I belong to the... So the Ramones are throwback to what Henry Rollins has referred to before as baby, baby rock and roll. Like, it is like a... Thro- they're croony, even though they're loud. Well, Joey is in particular the crooniest and will sing with like Buddy Holly hiccups and... Like that. Do you but, like the Ramones, Will? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Were you? Uh, I do. I've. 
like a punker when you were a kid or you that wasn't really I I mean I I knew punkers I was friendly with punkers but no I I've pretty much been hip hop the whole time like at, at one point um somebody handed me a a burnt CD that was Train of Thought by um Talib Kweli and DJ High Tech and then that was just kind of my life <laughs> that that was a life changing moment you never <laughs> went back <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, but I've, I've always had a, a healthy appreciation for it. I don't think that I knew a person when I was a kid that didn't absolutely worship the Ramones. <laughs> like you and you love the Ramones, Steve. Yeah, yeah. The, this song is pretty much how I came to the Ramones, uh, with the exception of like Ramones songs that I had heard without knowing they were Ramones songs. Like somebody put something in my drink. Somebody put something in my <laughs> like it was in for me, it was usually uh, growing up where I grew up. You didn't get into a lot of subversive, subversive music things because there just weren't the resources that one has now. Like you had to read magazines like and you had to find which magazines covered what you were into. Yeah. People forget that not too long ago, like if you lived in a rural area or anything like that, like you still relied on things like bookmobiles yeah. And mm-hmm. sending away for things. Like you didn't know about zines when you were yeah. living, living in rural areas and right. whatnot. So one of the major ways you'd be exposed to music, at least in my case, was movies. So horror movies in particular uh, had some great soundtracks in the 1980s, like not just score, but soundtracks outright. Uh, IRS Records put out the soundtrack for Chainsaw Massacre 2, which had like Concrete Blonde. Everybody knows. Then the Cramps. Oingo Boingo. And uh, other horror films would feature alternative or metal acts. And uh, the Ramones had already uh, been associated with film with Roger Corman's Rock and Roll High School. Which uh, also brings us to Stephen King. Stephen King, one of his, I would assume, two favorite bands in the world being that the other one scored Maximum Overdrive, which he directed in 86, Mm -hmm. which was (laughs) ACDC. What a wild life Stephen King's had. But Stephen King... uh, mentions the Ramones by name in Pet Cemetery uh, as a band that are they're being listened to. Rockaway Beach, I believe, is what mm. it's referred to. Rock, rock, rock but uh, stylistically, Rockaway Beach ties into what we were saying earlier about their sound. They weren't so much a croony throwback to baby, baby rock and roll as they were a throwback to Beach Boys. And harmonies and three second pop songs and Phil Spector wall of sound Mm. like Phil Spector would later produce for the Ramones end of the century. So you have this um, moment in time where the biggest writer on the planet is writing the screenplay to Pet Cemetery, And sometime before that had happened, uh, the Ramones were in the New England area and Stephen King invited them over to his house. Can you imagine? <laughs> right. 
like, and of course, like, you just picture Ramones going, yeah, okay, we'll go to Stephen King's house, you know, just like, that's a cool, that's a cool thing to do, you know, just Joey being like sweet and like sheepish about it. Picture the Ramones like with their heads bobbing basically when they talk, like and their sho- their shoulders are hunched <laughs> and like they're big tall guys. Yeah, or, it's it's like the the two poses would be unassuming or hostile. Like those would be the two extremes if you were to make a cartoon about the Ramones. But uh, so they're they're in Stephen King's house, and uh, Stephen King hands uh, Dee Dee Ramon a copy of the novel Pet Cemetery. And, and he says, why is cemetery spelled wrong here? He doesn't ask. Doesn't come up in any of the versions of the story that I have heard. But uh, basically, Dee Dee in the basement writes the bulk of Pet Cemetery the song after after like spending some time with this book. So he like flips through the book, doesn't even fully read it. That's mm-hmm. I, I couldn't find more. I couldn't find more details. I have not read Dee Dee's book. Like, uh, it's, it's, that's you know, canon now. That's, I, that's, that's like all of the, the Ramones biographical information I get, I pretty much get from their video 1980s video cassette lifestyles of the Ramones. <laughs> and, uh, I have end of the century, but I don't want to watch it because every time I put it on, I know I'm just going to cry at the end. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, just end of the century is one of those things I'll watch if they ever, if they're ever like, if they ever give us an hour and a half notice before like nuke codes or whatnot, it's like a, oh, an ultimate rainy day thing that I'm saving. Um, so yeah, Dee Dee presumably leaps through the book, <laughs> sees some names. He's sees like, sees I mean, like I get, I get the general idea here, head like, bobbing the whole time. Yeah. I, I understand, I get it. Yeah, Dee Dee is also the one who would infam- infamously leave the Ramones to make the Dee Dee King record, which is a rap album. Oh, it's time to rock! It's time to rap! It's time for the mashed potato attack! Oh, it all comes back around. Yeah, and uh, it, it was a it it was it's. This is someone else saying it. This is not me saying it. Like the general opinion was that it was a a failed commercial <laughs> enterprise. Um, I know people who have liked the album. I myself, like I've barely heard the album. Like I've I've heard it playing at places I was at, but I, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and add that to my Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Dee Dee writes this song and it is very literally and it's one of my favorite things about 80s movie themes and in particular 80s horror themes where the song is literally about the movie. I totally get it. <laughs> the, you, you bury things and they come back to life. It's like, not that hard. I like literal <laughs> theme songs because I think they occupy a very special space in time when people would actually try to work the name of the movie into the song yes. or <laughs> they make it something specific like so specific at times you were like it's like and the converse relationship it can have like the the bizarre like can you read my mind session and superman the movie when lois is literally just reciting the lyrics while the orchestration of the song plays but horror films oh you mean like this show you mean like this show right horror films well, neither of, neither of us are gazing dreamily at Chris Reeve or <laughs> Margot Kidder. Oh, oh, I thought, I thought. But I mean, uh, all right, I'll take, I'll take the poster. Then. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, horror films were great for literally, it's like, oh, I got this horror movie called Shocker. We need a theme song called Shocker. So I'm going to try to make Shocker references every third podcast or so. I was going to say, I think I already did. I'll do it again. Shocker. Shocker. Or, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, you know, Dream Warriors. We have to have a song called Dream Warriors. It's the song we wrote called Dream Warriors. <laughs> and or you you can you can get away from the horror genre and you go Dude. into songs that aren't necessarily about like don't necessarily have the name of the movie. Ooh, you, oh no. Nightmare on my street. So the gang and I thought that it would be groovy if we summon up the posse and dumb the movie. That is unauthorized. That is a lawsuit, young lady. <laughs> that does not contain the voice of Robert Englund, the one true Freddy Krueger. <laughs> but uh, still a banger. Where were we? Ah, uh, we were getting to great '80s theme songs. "Call Me" from American Gigolo is one of those songs that like doesn't. Blondie, "Call Me." Yeah, okay. it does not have mm. the literal title of the movie. But it is specifically about being a gigolo. Yeah. So the 80s were great for things like that. Mm-hmm. We've kind of lost that now. I, like, I personally, I want them to hear them. I want to hear ridiculous titles worked into every song for every movie that comes <laughs> like, out. Like I want a song called Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel. I want them to work that into a song. I bring wanna, back <laughs> Matchy Matchy. Bring back Matching. Use TLC's <laughs> Creep for Creep 3. <laughs> bring, bring back <laughs> vertical integration. <laughs> Synergy. I, I really, Synergy. It would be perfect for a, a Stranger Things song. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's that 80s nostalgia thing. It's time for the things so, that are strange. Pet Cemetery. <laughs> Mary Lambert uh, is about to direct the feature films. Steve King is... Uh, it's a Steve King. We, we, we bowl together. <laughs> we, we bowl. So, Stephen King is writing the screenplay. He and Tabby and I. And, uh, yeah. And and the Ramones have this song at the ready. And they had already made a deal. The filmmakers and King had already made a deal to get the Ramones in there. So Sheena is a punk rocker, plays as, as the trucker who would carelessly run down Baby Gage. Ugh. Is rocking out. The trucker that caused it all. On his way through Wendigo territory. <laughs> all right. So. Pet Cemetery. I adore it because of how straightforward it is. It's uh, one of the Ramones' like biggest hits, which is funny because it's not one of the whatever people talk about the Ramones now. With hindsight, uh, it's always you know Blitzkrieg Bop, A-O, let's go. or Sheena is a punk rocker. I want to be sedated. I want to be sedated. But Pet Cemetery was where I found the Ramones when I was a teenager. And Pet Cemetery is one of their, their biggest hits. And the lyrics. I thought I, well, the only lyrics I remembered to it before, like when I, when you told me we were doing it was, I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. And I didn't read them <laughs> again <laughs> because I don't remember the other well, it is fantastic. So it has some things that are arguably not in the film or the or the or the book. They're flourishes. They're flourishes, but 
I mean, technically, you can make a case for them, I think. <laughs> I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possible. I don't think it, it ruins my suspension of disbelief. Dee Dee just expanded from his skimming. He did. All right, so, verse one. Ancient goblins and warlords. Whoa, wait. <laughs> which I would like to point out that Joey Ramone does my favorite thing where he makes warlords somehow three syllables. And warlords. <laughs> how, how does he say it? It's, it's like, warlords. <laughs> warlords. It's amazing. He makes it, he does the little hiccup. Uh, it, it's perfect. Uh, so, under the arc of a weather state boards, ancient goblins and warlords come out the ground not making a sound. The smell of death is all around. And the night when the cold wind blows, no one cares, nobody knows. Wow. So we're setting the stage. Yes. We know like this, exactly This where could we be are. the Micmac burial ground. This could be somewhere else. But we're, get, we're about to get really specific in case you had any <laughs> doubt as to where this song takes place. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. Which instant cheers. Like, I believe Penn and Teller used to have a rule where when they went to see a movie, if somebody in the movie said the title of the movie, they would applaud. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. That's fair. Right. So the premise of the book and film, for those of you who are not familiar of it, familiar with it, is that when you bury someone in the cursed ground beyond the, the parameters of the pet cemetery, <laughs> the cursed Indian burial ground, which is also haunted by an evil demon called the Wendigo, the Wendigo. which tortures people through showing them their worst fears and whatnot. I'm a Wendigo. And is is what makes the ground sour, so to speak. Uh, that's that's where we're hanging out. We're in the cool. pet cemetery. I mean, not really cool, but uh, I assume nothing good is going to happen from here. Does this one also not have a happy ending? I mean, this this is pet cemetery. It's very literally pet cemetery. So now we're directly into the plot of the book and the film. Follow Victor to the sacred place. Victor Pascal, the the student who's, who's killed. That the Lewis tries to bring back to life. Didi really liked this part. Didi Didi really liked the spectral advisor. He's scrawling Victor down in his notebook. He's like <laughs> Steve. How how do you spell Victor? Is that a New York accent? Well, it would be written in front of him in the book too. <laughs> <laughs> he still asks. He just likes to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Follow Victor to the sacred place. The sainted dream I can't escape. Molars and fangs, the clicking of bones, spirits moaning among the tombstones. And the night when the moon is bright, someone cries, something ain't right. And something is three <laughs> layer, is three syllables as well. Something. Something ain't right. <laughs> we repeat the chorus. He clearly does, he clearly does not only wish to be buried somewhere other than the pet cemetery he wants to let you know again he does not want to live his life again no so they work whether right it's under his own agency he doesn't want to do it again whether it's under demonic influence he doesn't want to Neither. do it he's done he's done donezo all right 
The mood is full, the air is still. All of a sudden, I feel a chill. Uh, the lyric says chain, but I think it's a chill, especially since in the music video, Joey hugs himself like he has a chill. Genius says chill. And does a little does a little shimmy shake. I'm looking up the lyrics that are supposed to be the official copyrighted Warner Brothers oh. library lyrics, and they blew it. They absolutely yeah. dropped the ball. Victor is that grinning. Means we could copyright the the real lyric. <laughs> so we're back to Victor. Victor, obviously the most important character to Dee Dee because he doesn't mention Gage. He doesn't mention Lewis. <laughs> he doesn't mention Rachel. Doesn't mention Ellie. Members. Doesn't mention Judd. He men- he doesn't even mention Church. No. In the song called Pet Cemetery. He doesn't mention the pet. Winston Churchill. I can be a monster. Did they say that? Yes, sir. It's true. All right, so. Victor is grinning, flesh is rotting away, skeletons dance, I curse this day. If I remember correctly from my from my formative years, Skeleton Dance is a horror magazine that was largely dedicated to the work of Stephen King. Oh. Skeletons Dance. There's a dance, lot of synergy. There is. And what's funny is, like, neither of them had mutual stakes, so, like... Pet Cemetery was a Paramount film, so it wasn't like Warner Brothers made money off just of like bros helping having bros. the Ramones, other than soundtrack sales. Yeah, it's, it's totally bros helping bros. It's mm. Stephen King being like, I already had ACDC do my coke-fueled rampage, <laughs> maximum overdrive. <laughs> uh, for, for this one, I, I need the Ramones. So, Skeletons Dance... News, I newsletter i curse this day and at the night at night when the wolves cry out listen close and you can hear me shout i don't want to be buried at a pet cemetery <laughs> so he's shouting that whole he's shouting thing. that whole thing is he also shouting i don't want to live my life again so he's yes. just like into the night yeah screaming. just screaming he's like like he's terrified that he's gonna have to do this again and since victor's <laughs> already showing up I think that ship has sailed. I think that he's going to be doing it again. Like, Victor's already advising you and grinning at you, and Mm. he's already dead, so you're You're fucked. You're fucked. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're done. You're done. So that, ladies and gentlemen, and all those who identify somewhere along the great (laughs) spectrum of life, that is Pet Cemetery. I don't want to live my life again. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Yeah, so, um, well, that was, you know, maybe we need to pick some happy songs next time. We had... Oh, we still had, we still, we still have fun here. Yeah, I mean, we, we, <laughs> we have fun, fun here. here. But we, we had a robot that basically destroys the world, including small children. Um, or we, it's just fusing bio-organically to him and becoming part of his OS. Maybe. We had the trials of being a woman in an industry rife with misogyny, just reaching out for some understanding. And then we had a, a, a zombie, I guess. I guess we, it's called the, Pet the, Cemetery. It's Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. I mean, that's the, the words. Um, yeah. All of this is... Okay. From the 1989 album Brain Drain. Well, thank you, Will, so much for being our first guest. It's only appropriate, so we're we're really glad that you weren't. We didn't scare you off. Thanks for coming, Will. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you kids are going places. Thank you, thank you. You cannot tell our producers so that we get brownie points. 
Um, done and done. And where can we find you on the internet? I, I, I uh, run Coffee Finch Studios, I'm an owner-operator, whatever, so you can check <laughs> I, you downplay yourself so much. It's it's just you're like oh, I just own and operate and completely run this little thing that takes a lot of time and work and effort and talent. But yeah, you can check out all that stuff, including this very podcast, over at coffeefinchstudios.com. All right, thank you, everyone, and that is three episodes in the bag. Say goodbye, Mister Steve. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter at LTTWpod or our Gmail account at LTTWpod at gmail.com. There's a link for our Spotify on our Twitter where you can find episode songs and other playlists. You can listen at LTTWcast.com and visit our Patreon to support us at patreon.com slash LTTW. We'll be adding levels where you can vote on songs and other cool stuff soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This podcast is a presentation of Coffee Finch Studios, LLC, all rights reserved. Like, <laughs> oh.